In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen welcome back to the true life channel thank you for taking a moment to join me today i got a special introduction to a new series the saturn myth i know what you're thinking what are you talking about george what is the saturn myth all about let me read you in so that i can pull you in and you can get interested into it listen to this in the earliest age recalled by the ancients the planet, or protoplanet, came forth from the cosmic sea to establish dominion over the entire world. The planet God ruled as the solitary central light, worshipped as the God One, the only God in the beginning. Saturn's epic left a memory of such impact that later generations esteemed the God as the universal monarch and ideal king during whose rule occurred the prehistoric leap from barbarism to civilization. Throughout Saturn's era of cosmic harmony, no seasonal vicissitudes threatened man with hunger or starvation, and man suffered neither labor nor war. Saturn came forth in overwhelming splendor. In the land, it became day. This does not equate Saturn with the sun on the horizon. It means that the coming forth of Saturn inaugurated the archaic day, which began at sunset. So long as the solar orb was visible, the fiery globe of Saturn remained subdued, unable to compete with the sheer light of the former body. But once the solar orb sank beneath the horizon, Saturn and its circle of secondary lights acquired a terrifying radiance. The idea, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is that the planet we now live on, the planet Earth, was once a satellite of Saturn. The book makes the claim that we were part of a separate solar system, a binary system, and we were captured by the sun, which sent 
the planets we know today into a frenzy, the same way the Andromeda galaxy is on course to smash in to our galaxy, so too did the sun we know today and its planets smash into Saturn and its satellites, of which Earth was a satellite of. It's an amazing premise, and it's even a more amazing story. I really am excited to bring to you some of the ideas in this book by David Talbot. It's a rare book. It's very difficult to find. If you can find it, try and get a copy. You can buy a copy online at specialty bookstores, used, of course, for $500. So we're going to go through this book. We're going to go through some ideas, and I'm thankful to bring it to you. The Saturn Myth a reinterpretation of rites and symbols illuminating some of the dark corners of primordial society by David N. Talbot. Here's a little bit more on the author, David Talbot. Intrigued by Velikovsky's claim that Saturn was once the preeminent planetary god, David Talbot resolved to examine its mythical character. I wanted to know, he wrote, if ancient sources had a coherent story to tell about the planet. I had no inkling of the spectacular tale hidden in the Chronicles. In this startling reinterpretation of age-old symbolism, Talbot argues that the great god or universal monarch of the ancients was not the sun, but Saturn, which once hung ominously close to the earth and visually dominated the heavens. For those who may not be aware, Emmanuel Velikovsky has a series of books Ramses and his time, from Oedipus to Acnaughton, worlds in collision, earth in upheaval. And in these books, he brings to you the idea of cataclysmic events that have shaped our world. Throughout history, every single sort of indigenous tribe or people have a story of calamities. They all seem to have a flood story. So what David Talbot is, he goes back and he researches a lot of Velikovsky's work and a lot of other work and brings to you this idea of the Earth at one point being a satellite of Saturn. Let's start with an introduction here. The planet Saturn today is recognizable only to those who know where to look for it. But a few thousand years ago, Saturn dominated the Earth as a sun, presiding over a universal golden age. Modern man considers it self-evident that our familiar heavens differ hardly at all from the heavens encountered by the earliest star worshippers. He assumes that the most distinctive bodies venerated in primitive times were the sun and moon, followed by the five visible planets and various constellations, all appearing as they do today. But for such ever so slight changes as the procession of the equinoxes, this long-standing belief not only confines present discussion of ancient myth and religion, it is the fixed doctrine of modern astronomy and geology. Every prevailing theory of the solar system and of Earth's past rests upon an underlying doctrine of cosmic uniformity, the belief that the clock-like regularity of heavenly motions can be projected backward indefinitely. Think about that for a moment. If we are aware that we're on a collision course with the Andromeda galaxy, we know what's going to happen. 
then mustn't we also know that it has happened before? And if it happens with galaxies, mustn't it also happen with solar systems? Think about the clockwork motion of the universe. The Earth spins around its axis. Around its axis, it rotates around the sun. The sun and the entire solar system rotate around the galaxy. The galaxy rotates around the universe. Think about all the near-miss comets. Think about the heavenly bodies flying through the air. Think about how pockmarked the moon is. I think it's evident that there are cataclysms that happen. There are indeed, just like the meteor that took out the dinosaurs, so too do different meteors strike different planets. We're going to dig into this. I think you're really going to enjoy it. But the evidence assembled in the following pages indicates that within human memory, extraordinary changes in the planetary system occurred. In the earliest age recalled by man, the planet Saturn was the most spectacular light in the heavens, and its impact on the ancient world overwhelming. In fact, Saturn was the one great god invoked by all mankind. The first religious symbols were symbols of Saturn. And so pervasive was the planet's God's influence that the ancients knew him as the creator, the king of the world, the Adam, the first man. Since the only meaningful defense of this claim is the entire body of evidence presented here, I shall not presume upon the reader's credulity, but only ask that he follow the narrative to its end. Myth and Catastrophe If our generation disdains the possibility of fact, in the language of myth, it is because we are aware of discrepancy between myth and the modern world view, and we ascribe it to the blindness or superstition of the ancients. There is hardly an ancient tale which fails to speak of world-destroying upheavals and shifting cosmic orders. Indeed, we are so accustomed to the catastrophic character of the stories that we hardly give it a second thought. When the myths tell of suns which have come and gone, or of planetary gods whose wars threaten to destroy mankind, we are likely to take them as amusing and absurdly exaggerated accounts of local floods, earthquakes, and eclipses, or write them off altogether as expressions of unconstrained fancy. How many scholars, seeking to unravel the astronomical legends and symbols of antiquity, have questioned whether the heavenly bodies have always coursed on the same paths they follow today? In the past 300 years, barely a handful of writers have claimed any connection between myth and actual celestial catastrophe. William Whiston published in 1696 a new theory of the earth, arguing that the biblical deluge resulted from a cometary cataclysm. The book produced a storm of scientific objections and had no lasting impact outside Christian orthodoxy. In 1882 and 1883, two books by Ignatius Donnelly appeared, Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, and Ragnarok, the Age of Fire and Gravel. Relying on global myths, Donnelly claimed that a massive continent called Atlantis once harbored a primordial civilization, but the entire land sank beneath the sea when a comet rained destruction on the earth. 
Both of Donnelly's books became bestsellers and are still available today. Yet conventional theories of Earth and the solar system remain unaffected by these works. Around the turn of the century, Isaac Vail argued in his series of brief papers that myths of cosmic upheaval relate to the collapse of ice bands surrounding our planet. Three quarters of a century after his death, his work is familiar only to the esoteric few. In 1913, Hans Hobiger published his Glacial Cosmogony, contending that the great catastrophes described in ancient myth occurred when the Earth captured another planet, which became our moon. The relatively small interest in Hobiger's thesis vanished within a couple of decades. This was the extent of noteworthy research into myth and catastrophe when Emanuel Velikovsky in early 1940 first wondered whether a cosmic disturbance may have accompanied the Hebrew exodus. According to the biblical account, massive plagues occurred, Sinai erupted, and a pillar of cloud and fire moved into the sky. His quest for a solution led Velikovsky through a systematic survey of world mythology and eventually to the conclusion that ancient myths constitute a collective memory of celestial disorder. The great gods, Velikovsky observed, appear explicitly as planets, and the titanic wars vividly depicted by ancient chroniclers, the planets moved on erratic courses, appearing to wage battles in the sky, exchanging electrical discharges and more than once menacing the earth. Velikovsky set forth his claims of celestial catastrophe in his book Worlds in Collision, published in 1950, proposing that first Venus and then Mars in the period 1500 to 1686 BC, so disturbed the Earth's axis as to produce worldwide destruction. The book became an immediate bestseller and the focus of one of the great scientific controversies of this century. I mention Velikovsky not only because his work obviously relates to the thesis of this book, but because as a matter of record, Velikovsky first directed my attention towards Saturn. In a manuscript still awaiting publication, Velikovsky proposed that the now distant planet was once the dominant heavenly body, and he identified Saturn's epoch with the legendary Golden Age. While I have not seen Velikovsky's unpublished manuscript on Saturn, a brief outline of his idea inspired the present inquiry. Was Saturn once the preeminent light in the heavens? I would like to add right there, that if you look at the work of Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, they too believe that there were, in fact, a series of cataclysms. They too believe, like a modern-day Copernicus, that the history that we're taught is complete bullshit. Hello, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. 
I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.